Building and launching a new business may seem overwhelming, and I'm certainly not going to tell you that it's easy, but it's probably more approachable than you might think if you do it as a solopreneur. In this episode, I'm going to share some of the examples of early businesses that I've launched and some of the lessons that you can take away from that as you're considering what kind of business might you like to build. This is Invincible Solopreneurs, and I'm Larry Cornett. So you can read more of the newsletter that is associated with this podcast episode at newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com. This is How to Turn Your Talent into a Business, issue number three. Making a living from learned skills is certainly possible. Billions of people do it every day, all around the world. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Obviously, Working as an employee is how most people leverage their skills to get paid. But you can also package up your skills, knowledge, and experience and build a business from what you do as a professional. In some ways, this is the easiest business to create. You essentially transform your job description into a business plan. I know that's a little simplified, but that is uh, kind of the approach that you take. I mean, I use that approach for my first two entrepreneurial ventures, but I would never have suspected that a layoff <laughs> would give me the confidence to launch a business. So I want to talk about that first business. Like many people, I joined the corporate world after receiving my college degree. I worked for IBM right after I'd completed my master's. So I had a master's in psychology and I came out to the Bay Area and uh, was living in San Jose, California and working for the IBM Santa Teresa lab, which is still there. Kind of cool. It's a little bit out in the country. Um, and that's when I fell in love with tech and I fell in love with Silicon Valley and I went back to school and did the work I needed to do to get my research done and more coursework for my PhD. And then I joined Apple as I was wrapping up my PhD. And I actually had to work on, oh, my dissertation and my analysis, my, all of the statistical analyses that I had to do for about six months right after I joined Apple. So I'd work all day and then work on my dissertation for most of the evening. And then finally went back and defended and got my degree. Um, and I was at Apple for about four years. And while I was at Apple, I had an opportunity to join a startup. And this was a friend of mine that I'd worked with at Apple had uh, left and was working with a startup. The startup was a bunch of ex-Apple and ex-Sun people doing a hardware software solution, um, kind of a RAID subsystem, if you're familiar with storage technology. And I don't think I worked there as an employee even a full year before we were acquired. And uh, unfortunately, the honeymoon ended within a few months. Our new parent company 
basically absorbed our technology and our patents, you know, took all that stuff, but laid off our entire organization. They laid off our whole startup. Basically, <laughs> we were all laid off at once. Uh, that was a new experience for me. The, the founder and CEO relaunched the company as a new startup within a few weeks. I mean, it was fast. The turnaround was, was really quick. And I think he was funding a great deal of it. He had had some success earlier. Most of the employees rejoined that new company. And that uh, was going to be focused on a more advanced solution, kind of storage area networks technology. I think we still had some hardware. I think we had some NAS, network attached storage boxes. Um, but it was a little more advanced than what we had been doing with the first startup. So, because we obviously had to have all new IP and things like that. But I saw this as an opportunity to work with them as a consultant instead of becoming an employee again. I mean, it's kind of funny, but I was thinking about it in terms of almost like stability because I'd been an employee, right? I was an employee and then we got laid off and then we had to spin up a new startup. And I was like, wow, this is so chaotic. And I had a family to support. We just had a baby like a year, maybe two years before that. She was really young. Um, yeah. And here I was going to become a consultant, which I know seems a little risky leaving an opportunity to become an employee because I had a job. They, they were ex- expecting that I was going to join the startup as an employee, but instead saying, no, no, I'm going to become a consultant. <laughs> and, uh, I was lucky enough to be working with several consultants at the company that year. There were a number of people that were consultants and contractors that had decided not to be employees. And we became close friends. We spent a lot of time together, as you do, at a startup. Uh, They encouraged me and they helped guide me as I was venturing into this entrepreneurial world for the first time. And then it really was watching them succeed that made me feel like this was possible. I don't think I would have had the courage to make that leap without that proof, without seeing them do it. Because these guys, they were really good at what they did. And because they were so good, the startup was willing to hire them as consultants and not try to force them to become employees. Um, so yeah, I'd like to take a moment and thank them. I want to thank these folks for advising me and supporting me during that process. You know, giving me lots of guidance on how to set up a consultancy and how to price your services and contracts and all that stuff. Cause yeah, it's a little bit confusing at first. So, uh, Anka de Jong who's a good friend of mine. And we ended up working together for many years as consultants and partnering on projects and doing a lot of work with startups. Peter Nicklin, an incredible engineer, been a consultant. And I think Peter might even be listening to this uh, podcast episode. Hey, Peter, uh, Kit Fitzpatrick, also an incredible engineer, Joe Bucek. Joe, Joe is really cool. Uh, he's been very successful. He has a very rare experience and talent. Uh, he has some interesting philosophies around independence and uh, running your own business, but he really, he really uh, advised me a lot on why this was important. John Maloney, who I think is still working independently, and uh, John DeBreer. Uh, who had his own 
engineering agency and had his own office. I mean, I, I was impressed with John. He seemed like he was doing really well. So thank you folks. If any of you are listening, you know, it's really due to you that I felt like this was possible. And so my, my business was a solopreneur design agency. And I was offering web and application design services to mostly tech startups, some larger companies and established companies, but a whole lot of startups because this was the dot-com boom time. And I was able to transform my talent as a designer into a full-time independent business that supported my family. It kind of blew me away, you know. A lot of people who were employees told me I was crazy. They couldn't believe I was doing this. They're like, that's so risky. You have a family to support. And um, there's kind of a surprising side effect. I mean, doing this is more empowering than you could imagine. It was an eye-opening experience for me. I mean, it's the first time, really. I mean, I'd had kind of odd jobs when I was a kid, you know, mowing lawns and uh, doing stuff like that to make money, doing little hustle, side hustles. But this is different. And uh, kind of opened my eyes. It's like, wow, you can make a living working for yourself. As a design consultant, I essentially delivered the same value to my clients that I had been providing as an employee as an employed designer, you know, like when I was working for IBM and Apple, my very first client was that new startup. That was essentially my former employer. You know, I said, I don't want to become an employee, but I'm happy to work with you as a consultant. They said, yes. And then I started working with additional clients later that year and some really cool stuff. I mean, it was an exciting time in the Valley. Um, but I, you know, quickly diversified and found more clients and, and kept pretty busy. And like I said, Anka and I worked together for, for many years. Obviously, running your own business is a bit more complex than being an employee. But it's, it's an excellent example of turning a job description into a business plan. You know, this is the work that I do as a designer. This is the kind of outcomes, what I create, the assets I create. And now that's essentially my business service. I mean, you're still doing what you did before in your job, but now you're providing those services as an independent consultant. And I wrote a bit more about that in a previous article. It's, um, it's called use your nine to five frustration as fuel to create your own business. The different kind of businesses you can create based on what you can do or who you are, what you know, things like that. So that's linked in the newsletter. If you go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com, it's linked in this article. So as you hear me saying this, you may be asking or thinking to yourself, why bother? How is this any different from being an employee? If you're doing the same work and you're even sometimes working for the same company, how is that different? Why don't you just become an employee? Well, it is different, and I would say better in several ways. You know, first, you're not tied to one employer. You can work with as many clients as you can handle. You can't do that as an employee. You can't have multiple employers. Your employment agreement doesn't allow that. But as a consultant, I worked with multiple clients at once. And it really diversified um, my income streams. You know, sometimes I was working with three to five clients at once, depending on how much work there was. 
Um, number two, you control your earning potential instead of a boss dictating your compensation. This is big. If you want to raise because you're really good at what you do and you're in demand, you have rare skills, you've got a good reputation, you can increase your rates anytime you want. And I did. It was a busy time during the dot-com boom and I was getting so many requests for my design services. I just didn't have time. And I said, Hey, I, I just don't have time. And they're like, we'll pay you more. And I could raise my rates at that time to crazy levels because they wanted my time. And this happened not that long after I'd been an employee at a company that said, we love the work you're doing, but boy, times are tight. We, we can't afford to give you a big raise. You know, they gave me something like, I can't remember what it was, like a 5% raise or something like that, which is crazy, you know? Um, but as a consultant, I could give myself a raise anytime I wanted. It really is. It's only controlled by how good you are, what you do, what the market will bear. You can also scale your business by offering higher value services. Try doing that as an employee legally. You can hire contractors or employees to take on work and you focus on the higher value stuff, the strategic work, and you can expand your offerings. You can take on even more work. You can uh, diversify your revenue streams. As I was saying, I had multiple clients, so you're not dependent on one source of income. There are a lot of people regretting having one employer right now (laughs) as they're getting laid off and they're getting offers rescinded. And they don't have any backup income streams. You know, if I had one of my clients disappear, like sometimes startups would go bankrupt and disappear. It's not the greatest thing, but I had other clients. So it wasn't a big deal. It was only a portion of my revenue. If you get bored with the work and who hasn't become bored with their job at some point, if you get bored with the work or a client becomes a pain, which happens, You can wrap things up and pretty easily move on. When you have multiple clients, dropping one is no big deal. Changing employers is a big deal, but it's not such a big deal with clients. If you're good at what you do and you're in demand, you can pursue new domains and you can take on new projects that interest you. You get your pick of the work. A big one is that your schedule and your work environment are flexible. As an independent consultant, you are supposed to be in control of how you do your work, when you do your work, and where you do your work. It's a tricky thing if a company tries to force you to to do work on campus and using their equipment and telling you how to do your work. And it's like, you start to look a lot like an employee, which is a violation of hiring you as a contractor, as a consultant. So you're supposed to work where you want. And I did. And I do, you know, we used to work at a coffee shop. Sometimes we would, (laughs) this was kind of crazy. We'd rent a a town car and driver. This is before Uber existed many years before any of this became, (laughs) became popular. And we'd hire somebody to drive us when we had to go meet with clients because the traffic in the Bay area is a nightmare. So we were able to sit in the back and work on our laptops and get work done. And those were billable hours. So you know, the, the car is essentially paid for and then some, so, I mean, it's kind of fun, kind of cool. I was working remotely back in 1998, long before the pandemic made remote work so popular. Now people act like it's a new thing. 
but I was working out of a home office and working out of coffee shops and stuff like that for lots of clients long before the pandemic. And I love it. I love remote work. Uh, you can take breaks from working whenever you want. Also hard to do as an employee. You have to beg for vacation and schedule it. And sometimes you don't have enough hours to do what you want, you know, to, to save up for your vacation. I would enjoy weeks off between clients. So if I had worked a lot and I had, you know, saved up money, which you should be doing, you should be banking the good times. I could take a long vacation. And I never required the approval of anyone else. I didn't have a boss who I had to ask to take a vacation or beg for a vacation. It's just me. And so I could delay working with a new client and just take like a month off or whatever. I knew one consultant who would work hard for six months and then take a six month break to travel the world every year. He did this every year. So he'd work really, really hard for six months, save up all his money and then take off for six months and take a six month vacation, like a sabbatical. And that was his cycle. I mean, talk about fun. I mean, wow, what a great lifestyle. I mean, good luck trying to do that as an employee. You can't, you can't take off for six months every year. And then finally you can purchase the equipment, the software, the office supplies, everything you need without an employer's approval. It's a business expense. You can get everything you need. You know what you need. You know what you need to do your job well. I can't tell you how many times when I was, I remember when I was an employee and it's like, hey, we really were designers. We want to work on a MacBook. And they're like, no, here's a standard issue. Dell laptop. Have fun with that. Enjoy. You don't have to deal with that as a consultant. If you run your own business, you can buy what you need. So then my second business, um, I launched that when I left the corporate world for the last time. That was been over 12 years ago. So when I, when I left Yahoo and it kind of happened a bit unintentionally. I mean, I assumed I would take a short break to enjoy the summer with my family and then start interviewing for my next role when I was ready to go back to work or I was going to get serious about launching my own startup. That was something I had talked about, which I finally did end up doing in 2014. And that was a voice kick. Now I remember thinking to myself, maybe I should do some consulting as a side hustle. So between jobs until I figure out my next thing, I'll just do some consulting because I'd done it before and it gets easier the next time. So I quickly designed, created and launched a business website and let the world know through a blog post that actually ended up getting picked up by TechCrunch. So as part of that post, I think I said, I'm bootstrapping my own stealth startup, which I was. Uh, In parallel, today I'm launching a consulting practice to provide advisory services to other startups and more established companies. After over eight years in the big corporate worlds of Yahoo and eBay, I'm excited about taking everything I've learned from my experiences at those two great companies and returning to the entrepreneurial world. And I had always kind of missed it. I mean, I loved consulting. Um, It was really because the economy had collapsed at the time and all the startups were disappearing. It was a bad time in the Bay uh, Bay Area and Silicon Valley. And so I, uh, you know, kind of paused the consulting work and went back to the corporate world. 
So that when that hit TechCrunch, a lot of people saw it. I remember a, a CEO at a company that I consulted with saw it and they reached out to me and several other people reached out to me about my consulting practice over the next few weeks and I began working with some clients. And one thing led to another and I finally realized after a few months and years that I would never go back to being an employee. I stopped interviewing. I didn't take any more requests for job interviews and talking with recruiters. I realized I don't want to do that anymore. I want to run my own business. And the interesting thing about this second business is I was able to take much of what I had enjoyed in my previous role as a product and design executive and offer that as a service. So it wasn't just copy paste my job like I'd done as a designer before. This was really taking the best of what I'd been doing in my role and saying, I want to do that as a service. So offering product and design strategy, organizational consulting, you know, helping people design their teams and find talent, uh, working with startups on their business strategy and helping them explore revenue models. And then uh, also guiding and coaching tech leaders. So some of the executives coaching their product people, some of their design leaders. So I guess, I, yeah, that was kind of my first coaching, you know, when I think about it. So if you're considering a transition to consulting from your nine to five job, you can take the best of what you enjoy about your current role and leave the worst of it behind. When you build your business, you get to design your offering to optimize for things you're great at doing and enjoy doing. Don't bring the unpleasant job responsibilities forward into your new life. You don't have to. That's what's great about it. This is, it's kind of like writing your own job description, right? When you build your business, do what you love and stop doing the stuff you, you kind of hate. That's why I often talk about that with my Invincible Solopreneurs website and stuff. It's like, make a living doing more of what you love. Why not? Life is short. So my consulting company, the one that I, I built for this, that's Brilliant Forge, it's still running. Um, I kind of refocused it years ago when I went into the career coaching, but yeah, I st it's still running. You know, Occasionally I talk with a few startups and some corporations, but I rarely take on those type of clients now. So I've been focusing most of my attention, my attention on my latest business that I launched. It's almost six years ago now. And that's my third business that is my coaching practice. So making a living from what comes naturally to you almost feels effortless. When it happens, you'll hear people say, I'm still amazed that people pay me to do this. And I've talked with musicians who do that. I've talked with artists who are able to do that. And there's other types of, of talents, obviously. But it's different than kind of your traditional job skills. This is something that's a natural talent that maybe you had long before you entered the working world. And I can't say that building my current coaching practice was quite this effortless for me, but discovering it was a bit of an aha moment. Several years ago, I was managing the final stages of my failing tech startup. It was kind of sad. You know, it took a couple of years of experimentation to finally find a product that people seem to love, you know, to achieve that product market fit. Unfortunately, we were almost out of money. 
we'd raised a seed round and uh, I hired a small team, you know, and had some great folks working with me. Um, hey, Adam, Sam, Jamie. Uh, careful management of our finances had allowed us to hire that team and design and build and test our software for a few years, but we needed an infusion of cash to keep paying the team and to take our product to the next phases of growth. Unfortunately, our investors didn't want to put more money into our startup at that time. You know, and I don't blame them. We didn't have enough viral growth for them to think that it was going to work out. So as the CEO, I had the unpleasant task of spending kind of the last <laughs> year year of my life in the startup working with our accountant and our lawyer to shut it all down. And I have to say, that was one of the most depressing times of my life. I don't like to think about it. As things were winding down, I was trying to decide what was next for me. Should I take a swing at launching another startup? And I had some folks talking with me. I had some other startup ideas. But yeah, what do you do? Do you raise more money and do it again? Should I return to the corporate world and look for a job? Didn't really want to, but should I? Or should I go back to consulting, right? I could go back to um, product and design consulting, do that. As always, I was discussing options with my wife to get her thoughts. And she said, do you know what you've always been doing for as long as I can remember? Giving people career advice, helping people find jobs. Have you considered turning that into a business? And I hadn't really thought about it, but I had. I mean, it had been going on for, wow, I don't know, 15 years? You know, that I have coffee with people or someone would buy me lunch and they'd want to pick my brain about, their next career move or helping them get ready for a job interview or introducing them to someone. So I hadn't really thought about it. Um, but it was a great idea and I'm glad that she thought of it. Now I wouldn't call career coaching a natural talent itself, but when I looked back kind of on my childhood and my adolescence, I remembered you know, I was always kind of seen as a good listener. People came to me for advice. They came to me to help them solve problems in their lives. They've been going on for a long time. And they knew I would listen without judgment, that I'd keep the conversation confidential and I'd help them think through solutions. I guess part of that's why I went into psychology and I got a degree in psychology. So perhaps my natural talents include things like empathy and compassion, problem solving, and a willingness to be someone's champion, to really care about people and try to help them. And I do, I love it. I love to help good people feel more confident. I love to help people start to believe in themselves again. I love helping people put their lives back on a good path. Coaching people through personal and professional development was always something I loved about my job as a manager and leader. I looked forward to my one-on-one -on -one meetings with my direct reports and my team. I enjoyed helping people solve problems. I always loved that part of the job. I feel like my current coaching practice, and that's Invincible Careers, if you go to invinciblecareer.com, that has allowed me to turn some of my natural talents into a business, probably more so than any of my prior companies. 
those were more based on my skills, right? You know, I was a designer, so I opened a design agency. <laughs> you know, I was a product leader, so I helped people with product strategy. So this was really returning to my roots and my talents. And it's also allowed me to lean into my talent for writing, which I've always loved. I've been writing ever since I was a kid. And so I really appreciate that I'm able to do that in this business. While it is more straightforward to create a business based on your skills, knowledge, and experience, it's fulfilling in an entirely different way to build a business that leverages your natural talents. It, it just is. There's something about it. So now, now it's your turn. I want to talk about your business idea. What is it you have always naturally done or been good at doing? You may still do it now. Or perhaps you did it frequently during your childhood or young adulthood, but you gave it up when you pursued a career based on your education and your training instead. How does your natural talent or those natural behaviors, things that you do, help solve other people's problems? And if you approach that from the other side, what problems do people have that could be addressed by what you naturally do? Who are the people that need your help the most? In other words, who are your ideal clients or customers? Are they willing to pay you to help them solve their problems? Because that's the only way you're going to have a business. (laughs) If people want to talk to you and they want what you got to offer, but they won't pay for it, it's not really a business. And the only way to really find out is to test your business concept. I mean, people will say they'll pay, but you can't, can't know for sure until you actually test it. Now you don't have to go all in or spend much money to do this. That's the great thing about building a business this way. Unless you're planning on opening a restaurant or a bar, you know, that's, that's going to get expensive. You can take a lean approach and you can test a minimum viable product or a minimum viable offering or desirable offering with a few potential clients. I mean, that's what I did with my coaching practice. I did exactly that. I just basically added a new services page to my existing website. And I put the word out that I was offering leadership and career coaching. Within a week or so, I landed my first client. I had people reached out to me. And I kept refining my coaching practice as the months and years went by. And that's been going on for almost six years now. And the rest is history. and I'm still doing it. I didn't have it all figured out in the beginning. You'll never feel ready. I didn't feel ready. You have to go for it. But keep testing and refining and improving it. So if someone is interested in your goods or services, whatever it is you're thinking about, and they're willing to pay you for them, you're onto something. You have a potential business waiting to be explored. Once you're independently able to make a living from your talents, you'll never want to go back to working for someone else. It's addictive. You won't want to go back to being an employee. So are you ready to find out how that feels? I wish you the best of luck with this. I'm going to wrap this up. Feel free to reach out to me. If you need advice or guidance, you want to do a a quick 
discovery call and talk about things, you can do that. Uh, you can go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com. You can leave a comment. You can find a way to leave me a message. Be happy to chat with you. So thanks for listening. I hope this episode was uh, helpful, useful, hopefully inspires you to start exploring some business ideas. If you want to leave a rating review for this podcast, I would appreciate it. I would love it. Apple podcast lets you do both a rating and review. I think Spotify lets you just do a rating and I'm not sure how all the other players handle it. Depends on how you're listening to this, but it does help. So if you can do that, take a couple minutes. I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck with building the business of your dreams.